Welcome in to another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark. Mike, I got to give you credit again. I know we talked about it on the pod last week, but I put it out there for the rest of the region to know. Um, Mike was the guy who pushed me to do the Projects um, uh, Award that I won for the APSC. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Mike, for pushing me to basically get out there and talk to the community about what was going on in the world, and I appreciate that, and I think the region appreciates that we were kind of, uh, you know, basically drawing now, or not drawing, but like tying between sports and society when all the stuff was going on with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about this a little bit in the past here and uh, elsewhere, and uh, I think that's uh, always been one of the... Um, part of our mission statement um, for the Times Sports Department is, uh, you know, we try to let folks know in our coverage um, about uh, the entire person that we're covering, you know, whether it's a coach or an athlete, um, sometimes an official, because, uh, you know, I feel like... uh, there's probably a little bit too much sports coverage out there that just talks about, you know, the points and the rebounds and the touchdowns and the home runs and that sort of stuff. And we don't really get much of an idea about uh, what makes some folks tick. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, with everything that's been going on this year uh, between the pandemic and, uh, you know, the, uh, kind of social justice reckoning that we've had um, as a country in the last, I don't know, 10, 12 months or so. Um, you know, I, I thought it was even more important, you know, that we kind of get back to that part of our mission. And, uh, you know, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, mentioning that, but, uh, you know, it's all about the execution too. So let's, uh, Give yourself a pat on the back as well, because you know I mean I can come up with the ideas, uh, but uh, you know if you don't find the right people to talk to and ask the right questions, then, uh, then it doesn't work, and you definitely don't get a top ten APSE award um, without you know <laughs> getting the execution part of it right too. So I mean I'm, I'm really happy that uh, that you're being recognized for that, that we're being recognized for that, because. The Times has a pretty long tradition going back about 20, 25 years. I think we mentioned this last week, you know, in terms of getting recognition nationally for, um, you know, for our coverage, whether it's, uh, you know, individually or, or, for, or for the team. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great thing. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we've been kind of able to bring that to light and, uh uh, the people you talked to were really eloquent about it, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, it's great that we got that out there. And uh, that's, <laughs> I guess that's what I would say about that, you know, and all just about, or just maybe one more thing is that, you know, this is something that, you know, is not uh, something that we're going to let go of either. You know, we're going to continue to, to cover sports in this way and uh and again hopefully you know illuminate uh, illuminate the world that we live in a little bit um with that being said uh it's time to kind of dig into the news of the week and uh, 
this is a kind of a sad story to start out with. Um, there's really not other, any other way to say it. Um, you wrote you were out in uh, Valpo last weekend, and in, uh, in the wake of uh, the death of Noah Beller, who was a member of Valpo's uh, football program until he graduated, and uh, he was uh, tragically killed um, earlier in the week. And you were able to talk to some of his former teammates, uh, some of his friends, and it's a it's a tough thing when a kid dies. Um, under any circumstances, and uh, these circumstances were particularly difficult. But uh, I thought that uh, his teammates and his coaches had some interesting things to say. And uh, you know, it's pretty clear that he was, uh, you know, very highly respected and uh, very much loved within that community. Yeah, um, uh, Noah was killed uh, last Wednesday night which was the 3rd of March. Um, and then the team found out, the boys' basketball team, a lot of people at the school um, found out that Thursday. And then the boys' basketball team had a, a sectional semifinal that Friday against Crown Point. Um, so after they won, I talked to uh, Cooper Jones about Noah, I talked to Breach Walls, who didn't play football with him but knew him. And um, they talked about how hard it was to play a game after losing, you know, uh, someone who they shared the same hallways with and things like that. And just kind of how, like, insignificant that that could have been or in moments it felt like. But then also how big that was to just kind of galvanize the community with the win, um, put some positivity out there. Um, like you said, the circumstances surrounding his death are, are, are really horrible. Um, there's no other way to put that, but I thought that his, uh, his friends is really, you know, uh, talked about him as a person, talked about how he was a quiet leader, um, a guy that was pretty selfless, pretty happy go lucky. Um, and then over the weekend, I did a bigger story, um, outside of the game, just focusing solely on Noah and, um, you know, it was it was it's hard. I've written about a few kids who have passed during my time here in the region. Um, and it's 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 never easy, especially when you never met them. Like, I, I don't think I ever met Noah face to face or even said two words to him, to be honest. Um, so what I did was I posted, I think, on Instagram saying like, hey, if any of you all, because I have a ton of uh, region athletes on Instagram, uh, probably more there than any other social media platform. So um, I was like, hey, if anybody knows him or knew him, um, reach out to me. You know, my DMs are open. Um, and I had a few people actually reach out that way that I used for the story, one of them being Blake Worthington, who was uh, number nine and Noah was number 10. So they were locker neighbors. And uh, you can read the story for more about Noah's life, but I'll just, I guess, give you this one a uh, cool memory because when I talked to them, it wasn't so much about the the, well, the manner in which he died. It wasn't really about um, him being gone. I was like, you know what? Everyone knows that already, obviously. So let me let me try to find out who he was when he lived. Like, well, what did he? You know, what was he like? So I was asking all the players, like, you know, um, if you had to pick a few memories that stick out that you remember playing in your head. Um, I said, funny memories, good memories, whatever. Even if it seems meaningless, like, what do you think? 
And Blake was going through all these different memories, you know, football, and we grew up playing baseball together. He's like, you know what? We were locker neighbors. He said, Noah forgot his combination every day. So, and I was like, oh, that there you go. Like, that's my lead. And, and it, it kind of was, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, he, that's kind of how he was. Um, and he was like, I just, and, and it, it really kind of summarized, really just showed how they had each other's backs. I mean, even for something as small as that, like, uh, Blake was telling me, yeah, I had to basically tell him every day what his locker combination was. And on the field, they had each other's backs. And in life, they had each other's backs. And he was just saying how that bond, even now that Noah's gone, uh, won't change. So um, I think Coach Bill Marshall spoke very highly of Noah. Um, he had some powerful words in that piece that I, again, encourage you to read. Um, and I think as a writer, one of the toughest parts is seeing, like, I had the number one story on our website and it was for, it was for something like that. You know what I mean? Like I had the number one story when crown point girls won state, the state championship, but then you get something like this and it's like, I, I, I never want to be in a position to have to write something like that. Um, however, again, I just relied on the people who knew him to speak best about him. And, um, I probably could have talked to 10 more players, 20 more players, teachers or whatever, but I just grabbed a few that were the first ones to, to get back to me um, and, you know, tried to still tell the story through their eyes and really just get out of the way of the words. And I felt like um, from the responses I got and people that, that, that knew them, they were saying like, hey, you know, I really appreciate this. Um, and simply put, as Bill Marshall said, Noah will never be forgotten. So um, I know that some of their players have kind of hinted at some things that they might do to honor Noah um, this upcoming uh, season in the fall. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens when that time comes. But for now, man, it's just, again, they're still kind of reeling and dealing with the reality of him no longer being here. Yeah, and I think that's a good point that you make right there. Um, you know, and one of the things that uh, I think um, I've come across and some with some less experienced um, sports writers in particular, it's like, well, we want to give the family some space. We want to give the community some space. We don't want to intrude on their grief. Well, the reality is, is that in a lot of instances, not all, but a lot, um, people want to talk. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they want to share their memories. They want to uh, work through it. And, uh, you know, our job is to is to help them uh, work through it by allowing them to share their memories. And, uh, you know, and I know you, um, and I know myself, and I know, you know, most of the people, you know, on our staff and uh, in our department, um, you know, we want to be respectful here, you know, and we will reach out in, in a respectful way, and we will never pressure anybody to talk, you know, we will not, you know, uh, Hound anybody to talk, but you know we want to put it out. We we put it out there, and I've written a few of these stories too. Um, you know, you don't, as you said, you don't like to write the stories, but on the other hand, you do like to give people an opportunity to get the their own memories out there. I think it is an, an important uh, role for us. You know, as a as a local news source, um, this is something that's a very uh, important story in the Valparaiso community and in the region sports community too. So I think that the, 
you know, certainly uh, it was you know, handled respectfully, which, you know, was what I would expect, <laughs> basically, you know. So, um, and I think that there was some good insight, you know, as you said, you know, Blake Worthington's story about having to always remind no one what his locker combination was. I mean, that's the kind of little detail that, uh, you know, is really insightful and, you know, kind of, I'm sure, brought a smile to a lot of people's faces, you know, in a tough time. So if we can do that, um, you know, then we've done our job. So it's a, it's a great thing, I think. Um, moving on to something, uh, you know, a little bit different tone-wise, I guess. Um, this is a big month, big week, big day. Yesterday, um, yesterday was International Women's Day. This is uh, Women's History Month, and uh, I was kind of reflecting on that a little bit um, about how how different the landscape is for uh, women and girls in sports than it was, uh, you know, when I was growing up. You know, when I was in high school and college, that was about the time, this was the the mid, you know, I was in high school in the mid-70s, um, in college in the late 70s, and that was about the time that women's sports and girls' sports were kind of starting to take off in the wake of Title IX being passed. And uh, up until that time, uh, there were not a lot of opportunities uh, for women and girls in sports. I mean, there were the Olympics, obviously, but, you know, just so the elite athletes certainly had the opportunities. But other than the elite athletes, you know, that wasn't there. Um, high school in Illinois in those days had what was called the GAA, the Girls Athletic Association. These were basically intramurals. Um, there's no interscholastic competition for girls, you know, which is kind of crazy to think about now, but that's the way it was, you know, and then right around that time, like I said, that was when uh, interscholastic competition for girls was getting started. And we see where we're at right now. I mean, you know, we have a women's pro soccer league. We have a women's pro hockey league. We have a women's pro basketball league. Um, you know, obviously, uh, women's golf, women's tennis, are big deals uh, on the pro level. Um, you know, I mean, the WNBA is, you know, really took off. Um, it was, you know, probably the the most pivotal year, um, you know, for the WNBA this past year is the the players kind of got their voice, you know, and taking part in the the social justice movement, and uh, also, um, you know really boosting their ratings and getting their uh, profile up there too you know and again women's hockey is now a pro league uh you know the national women's soccer league um is going concerned as well so you know there's more opportunities for girls to play at a higher and women to play at a higher level out of high school but i mean high school sports are a huge huge deal too um you know we just talked about crown point winning state and how big that was to that community and I mean you know Crown Point girls basketball is not some secondary thing <laughs> you know it's it's huge in the, in the Crown Point community mm -hmm. and uh, that segueing into the fact that uh, two of the stars of that team who it seems kind of crazy to even think about are only juniors um, yeah <laughs> you know um 
they got another season to come back to, and they were both named Indiana Juniors All-Stars. Um, Jessica Carruthers um, and Lily Stoddard, um, you know, two D1 uh, recruits. And, uh, you know, it's really exciting um, to think about, you know, what's still ahead of them, you know, in high school, let alone in college or beyond. So, um, you know, that was uh, that was some big news this week, and I know you talked to them. Yeah, um, it was you know fitting that you know they got the news and the, and the and the teams the team was announced on International Women's Day, uh, so I thought that was fitting. And then um, I had a chance to talk to Jess and Lily, who hit me back. They called me right before I was in a file, and I was thinking, wow, like this is the clutchest thing ever, because um, <laughs> I had only talking to Cyber. Um, and I, honestly speaking, like, and no, no disrespect to Jessica or Lily, when these things happen and, and because of the caliber player they are, their phone's like blowing up like all the time these days. Um, so usually it takes a while to honestly get in contact with them. And depending on when my deadline is, it's like, hey, I might have to move forward without, without them, but I'm glad I was able to include them in the story about them, obviously. Um, and the unique thing about it is they're the only two, only teammates to be selected, only two teammates in the state to be chosen for a 12-girl, uh, 12-player roster. Um, and what makes it even more impressive is that normally there are about 18 girls selected, but since there aren't any exhibition games this year against the Kentucky All-Stars for the juniors, um, there's only one game. The, the junior All-Stars will play the, will play the, uh, the senior All-Stars um, when they're announced here you know, within the next month. So... Um, they had they had a, a smaller team this year, but you were able to still get two girls from the same Crown Point team on there. So let you know, um, one how great you know their season was. Winning helps. They won the, the Class Four A state championship, and two the respect that they have around um, the state from anybody who has you know uh, the uh, uh, who determines who's on the team. Um, it's selected by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. And made up of a bunch of different members and coaches and people like that. And I'm sure people even just word of mouth, um, you know, helps as well. And um, obviously those two girls um, um, impressed a lot of people. And they were telling me that they're not satisfied with this. And they really want to make a strong impression, a strong early impression for next year's uh, senior all-star team. So um, hats off to them. Um, I don't know what's coming next. I've written about Lily and Jessica, I believe, two or three times since the season ended. Um, and I'll probably be writing about them again when they when they, when they play in the actual game, um, you know, which is set for I believe uh, like mid June. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's I keep calling them and like hitting them up every like every other week, and I tell them you know, uh, hey, sorry to ask you for like the fifteenth million time. Uh, how fun was this season? What does it mean? And you know, for them, they were just saying like even big picture wise. Uh, how cool it is to kind of uh, uphold like a rich Crown Point um, legacy in girls basketball. Um, so it, it's been fun to revisit it. I guess you can stay tuned for our all area selections and things like that. I'll tease that a little bit, although I'll admit it'll be a while before it comes out. But um, you can take a, a wild guess as to where those two players will be. Um, and, you know, I, I won't say anything more about it. But, yeah, just, just use your... Uh, I guess, uh, you know, critical thinking skills. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I guess, moving on from that to a really crazy story that Mike actually helped me get out there 
before I left uh, for last week's sectional semifinals. Um, Ashton Williamson, number three, uh, sophomore in the state, according to Prep Hoops, uh, one of the top point guards in the state for the class of 2023. Um, he played earlier this year at Calumet, transferred to 21st century, had been in kind of like this uh, back and forth with the IHSA about his eligibility. Um, initially, he was denied his eligibility, or full eligibility, that is, and he was reduced to, like, JV uh, athletics, which anybody who's seen this kid play knows he's not a JV player at all. Um, and long story short, he got eligible, fully eligible, um, you know, got the decision overturned by the IHSA hours before he was going to play uh, in the sectional semifinal against Washington Township. And Mike, when this, when I hit post on this story, it went everywhere. Like, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I got comments from people all over the state. I'm in a couple Facebook groups, too. One for, like, Indiana basketball high school fans, uh, which I just share pretty much every story we have from the Times with them because um, I feel like it's just, one, more readership, more eyes on our stuff. But, two, they're more likely to read it, too, because they're into high school basketball, and it has thousands of people in it. And uh, so when I posted that, I mean, oh, man, the comments – uh, the people who read the story, people asking like, hey, how do I read the story if I my free, you know, my free clicks are up and all types of stuff like that. And uh, it was it was it was awesome. I, I loved it. I, I remember uh, uh, when you pushed it, I was just like driving over. Cause I, I had to I pushed that and then I had to hop in my car and drive over to like, you know, cover the actual games at a different sectional. And uh, man, just all on the way there, my phone was buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean. Yeah, people saying like, you know, yeah, like good for Ashton, he's gonna play. Other other people are saying like, oh, you know, uh, what is the I say doing? This is so unfair. And I'm thinking to myself like, life is unfair. Um, you know, <laughs> you got people saying like, well, why do you need a lawyer if if if, if you're you know it, it you know if if you're you know why do you, would you need a lawyer to fight this if you're if you don't you know if you never did anything wrong? And it's like, well, if you feel like you have a case to be made and you're being unfairly not punished, but like limited in your, in your, uh, you know, athletic eligibility. Why would you accept? That's the only thing I don't understand about people that were mad about. It. I can see if you're mad about the decision to like clear him like hours before a playoff game. Um, but needless to say, I don't think anyone on earth would accept a punishment or a restriction that they don't feel is valid. And if you can fight that and win, why wouldn't you? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that, I think that, uh, my take on this and not not specific to this particular case you know we have we've had have cases every year of uh kids who are uh who seek to transfer schools and uh may have their eligibility initially denied and then wind up uh, getting eventually cleared and i think that there is a flaw in the rule uh on the part of the ihsaa uh, which is different from the IHSA, the Illinois High School Association, um, and in, the, in Illinois, um, basically it's a it's a residency issue. It's like, does the kid live here? Um, and if he does or she does, um, then they're eligible. Um, Indiana has this motive built into the rule. You know, are you doing it for athletic reasons? And uh, I think it's a problem because how can anybody, the IHSAA or anybody else, truly know what kids' motives are? And, you know, I think a lot of times there's a lot of motives built into it. You know, I mean, uh, 
it's academic, it's social, it's, yeah, it's athletic too. But I mean, you know, this whole idea that kids shouldn't move specifically because of athletic reasons. It's okay for them to move if they want a better academic environment. It's okay for them to move if they want a better social environment, um, but not athletics, you know, and I think this is some, is it's kind of a, honestly an archaic idea, you know, that, you know, we're keeping things fair by not letting kids move for these reasons. Well, the world's a different place today than it was maybe when that rule was uh, put into place. And uh, I think that, you know, there's one of the things that's come up in Illinois is that, uh, you know, the idea of giving kids one free transfer um, so that the first time you transfer, you can go, you can be eligible immediately. And the, and the kind of the, the thinking behind that is it's like, well, you might make the bet, the wrong decision, you know, initially when you pick a high school and, you know, give them a kit, give the kids, you know, a free opportunity to make that decision right. Now, if it's a kid who hops from high school to high school to high school, that might be a different story, you know? I mean, I think that there's probably some justification for preventing kids, you know, from going to, say, a different high school every year or every other year. You know, there's, there's something to that. But, you know, if a kid decides for whatever reason, you know, this is not a good fit for me, I mean, it's like, think about, think about if you're an adult and you have a problem with this, what if somebody told you, okay, you can't get another job. You have to be out of work for a year before you get another job. You know, it's kind of the same principle, basically. We're telling these kids that they have to sit out for a year before they come back to play. So what if you decided, I don't like this job. I got another job over here that's waiting for me, but I can't do it for a year, you know, because of some idea that, you know, this is not fair somehow. So maybe if people looked at it that way, they'd think a little bit differently about it. I don't know. Yeah, and then there's also, I mean, just on a tangent, there's like the crowd that thinks that we should still be in all, you know, one-class basketball. So you <laughs> you can never, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's always a... Uh, yeah, that genie, that genie's not going back into the bottle. Yeah, but so. you know what I mean? So there's always a, like, this is a, the way it's always been type of thing, and Personally, just as a reporter, I thought some of the comments I received were pretty funny, um, mainly because I was simply reporting what happened. <laughs> Wasn't really picking a side. I mean, it was obviously a big deal, but spoiler alert, they lost. Um, Washington Township upset them with the, with the buzzer beater, uh, basically almost at the horn um, from Tyler Hatchie, who's, who's one of their better players. And, um, you know, that's why you play the games. Uh, I know when I ran the story for hours before, people were saying, oh, that's an easy W. They're going to win their sectional now. And then Washington Township said, wait, hold up, you know, and, and basically ruined a, a 21st century and counts rematch uh, for the next day. So um, I, I was joking with someone like that, you know, uh, 21st century had like a, a, a not like they, they just had one. One thing I'll say is Ashton hadn't played in, in a couple months and he came out and had 18 points and played very well. And they lost on the last second shot. So, um, again, it's March. Anything can happen. And that's why you play. Like, if, if things were always based off of, you know, who you expect to win, why play? You know? So, uh, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I did uh, – I, I deleted a couple of comments on my on my Instagram that were, like, kind of attacking him as, like, a, as a – 
player in person, like, oh, you know, loser, you lost, all this type of, like, petty stuff that I guess high schoolers do. I'm getting older, I guess. But um, <laughs> I didn't like that. And I think a couple of them weren't even, like, you know, players. And it's like, you didn't even play in the game, so why are you talking? But um, I didn't like that because it's like, again, if you're in his shoes, why would you not do everything you can to play right away? Um, and, again, it's only unfair depending on which side you're on. You know, if it adds to your chances to win, oh, we love it. We're great. And then if it adds to your chances of possibly losing, no, why are they doing that? So uh, I enjoyed it. It was very TMZ-esque. Uh, you know, got, a lot, got a lot of clicks out of it. And hopefully that drove you to the other uh, stories on our website with a little more substance. But that's why you play the game. And then um, I guess moving on to more important things as far as sectionals. Um, we have six sectional champs, if I remember correctly. We have Couts. Um, in 1A, uh, 2A, we have Bowman and Boone Grove who will play each other in the first North Judson Regional Semifinal Saturday. I'll be there for that. In 3A, we got, you know, ding, 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 Hammond. Um, and then 4A, we have Valparaiso and uh, Westside, which surprisingly, I didn't know this, Westside won their first sectional in 16 years when I was there Saturday night. So that was a bit surprising to me. I knew, I knew it had been a while. But I didn't know it had been, you know, uh, over a decade, considering the the just kind of like the the talent that's come out of there, specifically in football. Obviously, you got Lonnie Johnson, um, and some, there have been some other uh, talented teams and players that have come through there. Um, so I was I was kind of shocked. I mean, 16 years ago, uh, I was nine, so uh, had no idea I'd ever be at West. And actually, the funny thing is, my my uh, uncle. Um, Anthony Smith is a, a West Side graduate, so really, um, I didn't, I yeah, know that. yeah. I got, a, I got a, uh, my mom's uh, okay. sister, her husband. Uh, he grew up in Gary. Um, I actually have another grandma, Grandma Smith, uh, who okay. uh, who lives in Maryville. Um, I don't know why I'm getting so personal, but yeah, that's that's my life. That's so I kind of wow. whenever I okay. tell them uh, I'm going to West Side, you know, he's always rooting for his old school and. Uh, he, well, he, he actually yeah. looks the same, Mike, and I was like, uh, yeah, pretty much. And, but I did tell him you got one of the best players in the state um, on your team, and, and they looked good, Mike. They looked good. I mean, judging from where I saw Westside when they played Hammond early in the year, um, how stagnant they looked and just how they were still trying to figure out their roles. Now, man, they're, they're role. They go about 10 deep and – you know, when you got a five-star recruit leading the way with nine other guys that can really play, um, I mean, I don't know any other team that's probably that deep in the state. Uh, I imagine their rotation will probably get shorter as the playoffs go on. But, I mean, they were really, really balanced against Munster. Didn't even shoot the ball well. I think they only made like four out of like 23 or something like that. But uh, when you have, again, two 6'10 players, and uh, a bunch of other guys who can run and jump uh, higher than anybody else uh, usually bowls well for your team. And all of them, are, are I feel like, are fitting into their roles now. So, um, yeah, they, they, didn't, they didn't have any really competition in their sectional. So I'm excited to see what will happen in um, this week's yeah. regional. There, there is one thing that I wanted to mention, too. We had a great photo. I hope people saw it. Um, oh, it yeah. was Ma- Mason Nicholson. Um, getting congratulated, I think after he got fouled or something like that. But, um, my goodness, um, you know, how does anybody defend him? <laughs> That's what, I mean, and, yeah. and I, I say this, you know, in a respectful way. I mean, 
he, he is a big kid for a high school kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to have him, you know, uh, along with Jalen, I just can't even imagine that, you know, it's like, you know, having a force like that in the middle, um, you know, that's, that's something else because I don't think, uh, you know, I mean, you have, yeah, you have one six ten kid in high school. Okay. That's, you know, what percentage of high schools have that to have right. two of them and to have one of them who is a true big man. I mean, you know, Jalen is kind of a, you know, the I mean, modern, He's, he's like a wing type player who's six ten, basically, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, Mason is, you know, your traditional big guy. And one of the things that my colleague, Mike O'Brien at the Chicago Sun-Times is know that you don't see a lot of traditional big guys anymore. You know, you don't see a lot of traditional back to the basket big guys anymore. And Mason is just the prototypical guy like that. So to have somebody like that too, you know, along with, you know, Jalen and Christian Christmas, you know, and some of the other guys, you know, Kamari Peterson, you know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of talent and a lot of different types of talent. You know, it's, you know, some teams that we've seen, you know, really good teams, but they're all guard heavy. It's like they've got all these guards, you know, but I mean, you know, you look at West Side, you know, they can say, okay, here's your one, two, three, four, five, basically. So that's, that's something that a lot of teams can't say. Yeah, I mean it was, it was uh, it was dominant. I mean there was never. I mean after the first quarter, I was like, okay. Well, let me start looking up when's the last time I won one, and, and you know trying to find like an angle that's actually interesting. And uh, you know, spoiler alert, my lead was actually what happened right as the game was ending. Uh, they gave Coach Chris Bugs a, a a not Gatorade, but basically it's like a, a water bottle shower. Um, and um, it was fun, and I was like, you know what? That's that's probably the most exciting thing I've seen outside of them just dominating. So they're going to be at the uh, at the Michigan City Regional along with Valparaiso. Um, they're on opposite sides of the bracket, so if both of them win. Um, you know, uh, the the semifinal they'll meet in the championship that night. Um, we'll have Tom Keegan there, our correspondent, covering that. Uh, like I said before, I'll be going to North Judson, uh, and then you know I think Hammond's probably the favorite to get out of their regional. Um, and again, they're they're looking, I believe, for their first regional in sixty seven years. Um, they were denied the opportunity last year when they were still really good because of the pandemic. I'll have more on that and just the whole year later perspective on some of the back to back sectional champs. But um, real quick, one team I want to kind of put out there is, is is Boone Grove. I just ran a story on their on their team uh, today, actually, which is uh, the, the ninth. You know, it's a Tuesday and. Uh, Mike, I didn't know this, but this is crazy. Like, so their their last four years before this season, they went zero and twenty two, three and nineteen, three and nineteen, and twelve and eleven, and then now they're eighteen and six. So, long story short, um, their previous four seasons combined, they've matched that win total altogether this year, eighteen wins. Um, yeah, which is crazy yeah, to look at the, like the turnaround they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody would have picked, picked them to win the sectional at the beginning of the year. Uh, and, you know, at the beginning of the year, they were actually quarantined because of COVID-19. So they got delayed um, and still got 18 wins. Um, first sectional title since 2013. Um, check out the story. Uh, it's really cool to kind of uh, get the perspective of some of the players. And, um, I mean, it doesn't get worse. I mean, literally, it does not get any worse than 0-22. Unless you go like 0-23, I guess. But I mean, it, they were at rock bottom before this this group 
uh, came to high school and they uh, weathered the storm, took their lumps, uh, you know, for a couple more years and then took a jump last year and then took a really big jump this year. So um, I was excited to write about that, kind of get their get their, their that team out in the paper, get them the publicity that they deserve. And um, I'm excited to see what they'll do against Bowman, who is led by uh, Karan Davis, who has just been on this Herculean type of uh, tear lately. So, um, you know, it, it'll be a big weekend for the region. We'll see how many you actually make it out uh, and get to semi-state. I think Couch is favorite as well. So we'll see. But like I said before, that's why you play the games. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, too, with Boone. Um, you know, Matt McKay is the coach. Uh, he's been there for a long time. He actually took some time off um, before coming back. Um, the year uh, he but, took off, Mike, was the year they went 0-22. And then he came yeah. back uh, the next year and he had to kind of build it up from the ground up. So uh, he's been there for 28 years. Yep. Right. And uh, he won 10. I'm just looking, doing a little bit of research on the fly here. He won 10 sectionals in his first uh, tenure there. And, uh, you know, and it's, uh, it, it's interesting to see then, you know, I mean, Boone's a different kind of a school actually than it was you know earlier on in his career i mean it was more of a rural country school in those days you know now there's some more subdivisions out in that area and uh it's a bigger school um they had football they didn't have football when he started there either so you know it's interesting to see that you know some things change and some things stay the same obviously but uh yeah um so we are in the middle of uh hoosier hysteria basically uh Possibly three more rounds. Uh, we're expecting three more rounds for probably at least one team, maybe two. Who knows? Maybe three. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, one of the things that uh, you know, I think is it's certainly an ongoing story. You know, the Hammond High story is uh, interesting, and uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, James. I'm just going to throw out another. Ad lib or an, an audible here about another story or another idea that uh, to talk about is that uh, you know one of the things that people are kind of wondering is if the Civic Center is ever going to host another sectional now that Hammond the new Hammond School is not going to be a three A school it will be a four A school um, Hammond Central and uh, I guess probably well, Morton will be a four A school too basically because they'll Morton will also be adding students um, from. Uh, mostly from the Gavit area. But, uh, you know, the question is whether the Civic Center, which I think is a great venue um, for high school hoops. Um, you know, I know that I, I, I actually posted this on Facebook on my personal Facebook page. I got a little bit of pushback because some people say that it's not a great venue. Um, you know, it was built a long time ago, back before uh, we had some of the modern amenities like uh you know concession stands with maybe better uh, access and you know you know more modern bathrooms as well um but you know i think about the history of that building and uh john wooden coached there i think it's south bend central um back in the 30s um you know and he actually played pro- john wooden played pro basketball there um back in the early days of pro basketball before the NBA, there was a team called the Whiting Caesars um, that was uh, at the level of what is now the NBA, obviously, you know, 
pro basketball in those days was not anywhere near as big a deal as college basketball was. You know, it's not like the NBA is today. But, you know, again, there's a tremendous amount of history in that building. And, um, you know, that has been the 3A sectional site for a while now. Calumet was actually the original host this year, but then I guess uh, Clark wound up replacing them as the host, even though Clark didn't play in the sectional, which is another interesting sidelight, I guess. But, uh, you know, now the question is, you know, who's going to be hosting uh, whatever sectional Hammond Central is going to be in? And I think we know it's been kind of rotated back and forth between, mostly between the West Side and EC. Um, so whether Hammond Central will get into that rotation or not. Um, we don't know, and if they do, it would be nice if it wound up back in the at the Civic Center. That's kind of my take on that. It's an old school take, I understand. Um, you know, so for what it's worth, that's what I would have to say. And I think that's all we have for this week, then. Um, but we will leave you with the traditional uh, mask up, social distance. Let's get through this. Um, we want to get to the point where we are back to you know an even more normal life than we are right now <laughs>